When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. We're excited for a big Ravens win and the start of the playoffs, but um, you guys can check us out. We're both on Twitter. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. He's at Gabe Fergie. Um, you can find our stuff at filmstudybaltimore.com. That's where you'll be able to find our podcast if you're looking for it. Um, and Kemi Cusick, who runs that site, uh, does amazing work. Check him out, too. He's at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. Um, huge shout out to him. We're going to be talking a little bit about some of the material um, that he's been putting out about the offensive line this week. Um, definitely worth a listen as well. And um, a special thanks to Ken for giving us a shot on this podcast. So, Gabe, here we are. You know, we've been begging for this kind of consistency for, you know, 10 weeks as we, you know, kind of led up into the last six games of the year. We kind of went into the crazy COVID game that we we were we were facing. And it feels like for once, that's exactly what we're getting now. You know, the competition might be a little second tier, but we're getting well-rounded games in all three phases from this Ravens team consistently right now. Um, and it's exciting. Yeah, you know, all it took was the half the team getting knocked out by the coronavirus for, for the Ravens to finally get their stuff together. Um, well, or maybe it's kind of also been a, a little bit of a function of the teams that they're playing. We knew going into the season that the, the final stretch of the season was going to be pretty easy compared to that brutal stretch that they had in, in the middle. And I think that while obviously the, the stretch in the middle didn't go as we had hoped, it and, and the Ravens had unfortunately taken some nicks and injuries in that stretch as well. And that kind of made things even a little harder to watch. Um, but I think the, the Ravens have come out better for it. You know, they, they've figured out some things on offense that they were still trying to work through earlier, earlier on in the season. And now that they kind of had to put to the test when everything had to come together and work out, it has. And I think we've seen very consistent performances, like you said, um, mostly on offense. So I, I think the offense has been really the strength of the team down the stretch. And, and that's something that I didn't think I was going to be saying at the beginning of the year when it looked like every other drive was was something that, you know, was the throwback to to uh, injury riddled Joe Flacco season. Yeah, you, you know, it's it has been it's been kind of night and day across the board. And I think that when I think a little bit about what we're saying, you know, it starts with the offense and, you know, I kind of split the season into kind of thirds right now in the way you think about it. Cause obviously the Ravens got off to that five and five and one start four and two start five and one start. Five and one start. Yeah. Five and one start. They looked pretty solid. They were scoring almost 30 points a game. You know, things didn't feel like they were right, so to speak, but you know, the Ravens probably they were going to turn the corner 
And then those next five games turned into absolute disaster town. Lamar turned the ball over a gajillion times against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we had the hurricane game against the Patriots and then, um, you know, kind of just choke, barely choking away the Titans game after a couple injuries in there and then COVID hit. And so during those five games, the Ravens dropped down to about 20 points a game. And we were it, it looked like we were facing a pretty steady downturn from this team that looked like one that was essentially maybe cooked for the season because they couldn't they, they weren't stopping people on defense. They weren't scoring on offense. None of that was happening. And then Lamar Jackson gets COVID crazy, crazy things happen in terms of double bye weeks and schedules, et cetera. And the Ravens really seem to rally around that. Now they've been scoring 37.2 points a game over their last five. And so it almost seems like we have got an, you know, an, an outright unstoppable offense right now. Yeah. And there's, there's a few things that I think we want to hit on as to why the offense has, has really started coming around. Um, but I think really one of the major focal points has been integrating J.K. Dobbins. And I think I think earlier on in the season, we, you know, we saw sparks of him being really special. I think he had like two touchdowns in week one or something like that. He had, you know, a couple games where he just really, you know, kind of had limited play, but played really well. But his, his play was inconsistent and he wasn't really being used as a focal point. And at some point, I think it might have been that Tennessee game where he really came out and he took over as kind of the lead back in in the offense. And since then, the offense has really changed. And I think his ability to really threaten the edge with his speed, with his burst, and also just, you know, his toughness, his ability to pick up yards after contact, to kind of, you know, play through contact. He has that special balance where, you, you know, he puts his arm down and, and lurches forward for a few more yards. Um, he's, he's just a really special player. And I think he's been a major reason why the offense has taken, down, taken off down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, he, he has really helped transform the running game, you know, huge props to Mark Ingram for kind of taking that leadership role, kind of stepping back, not being kind of the guy that's messing things up in the locker room. You know, I think we've also seen improvement from some of the pass catchers um, and, and some strides from them as well, but the whole team just seems to, seems to be a little bit more in sync. But, you know, I also think some of that is that Greg Roman kind of, you know, I, whatever you want to call it, I think might have gotten right in his head a little bit when he was a little out of whack. And so, you know, I took a look at kind of our run pass ratios as we were coming into this kind of these stretches. And, you know, through that first six game stretch where the Ravens were five and one, you know, you had a pretty balanced attack where you you were you were passing and running at about the same rate, 51 and a half percent where they were were running about 48 and a half percent where they were passing. And that next stretch of games where they were all pretty close, you know, I think one of the stats that you'll hear out there is the Ravens are going to lead the league again in point differential. And that's because all their losses minus the Kansas city loss, which was in that first kind of six weeks were were all still one score losses and, and all still games where the Ravens were very much in it when it came down to the end of those games. Um, and Greg Roman kind of lost himself along the way in there. And, you, you know, you saw a 57% to 43%, um, you know, ratio where it was getting a little bit better and you were starting to see the Ravens run a little bit, run a little bit more. Um, but the offensive line wasn't gelled together. It wasn't working. Well, these last five weeks, Greg Roman has really turned it up and he's just committed to the running game. He said that it's something that he thinks is going to work that works for this team. And he's going to figure out a way to, 
scheme it up or do whatever that is going to look like. And we've seen them run the ball almost two thirds of the time. Now, some of that granted, I think is due to competition um, and is due to big leads late in games. I think a lot of the rushes that, you know, today it was 54 to 19. I think, I think we can overlook a little bit of that, but nonetheless, in all these games, the Ravens were not throwing the ball a ton. They were committing to running the ball on the ground and they were letting Lamar out of the pocket and letting him run a little bit instead of forcing him to throw the ball in some of those situations. And I don't know if that was a coaching thing. I don't know if that was a Lamar health and Lamar comfortability thing. I don't know what that was, but that seems to have completely transformed this offense from the 2020 offense to the 2019 offense. Yeah, I think one of the things that you mentioned was the Lamar scrambling more. And I think that's a major part of why the Ravens offense has been more like what we saw in 2019. And that's because he was deadly with his ability to just convert third downs or second downs or whatever it was on on. On a, on a scramble last year. And I think that's something that we kind of took for granted. And for whatever reason, it wasn't really happening as much in the first half of the year. And I don't know, like you mentioned, if it was something that, you know, coaches were trying to get him to look to pass the ball first and, instead of, you know, run the ball with, with his legs because they wanted to protect him or because they wanted to really start developing the downfield attacking, passing attack. I know that's something that we heard over the off season. The Ravens wanted to get more vertical. They wanted to attack more downfield. And I think that was something that was kind of ingrained in Jackson at the beginning of the season. He he wanted to be looked at as a passer first. He, I mean, he still, I think, can be a passer first. But the, for better or worse, he wasn't actually taking some of the opportunities that were there. He was, instead of scrambling when he could have picked up chunk yardage, he was looking to pass instead. And in some instances, that might have worked. But I think in some instances, he he missed out on opportunities. I think it's kind of simplified for him a little bit in the more recent weeks. And I think he is more prone to when he sees that opening to pick up, you know, five, 10 yards or whatever it may be, he's taken it. And I think we started seeing that in the Dallas game, the first game back from COVID, it was very apparent when Cleveland played and Cleveland was playing a lot of man. And, and that really opened up uh, Lamar to kind of attack them in that way against Jacksonville. He didn't really run as much. And I think that was because they were playing a little bit more zone and, and, he actually passed the ball really well in that game. And I think he showed that he can still be a good passer, a good pocket passer. He he had a lot of nice completions in that game. And then in the past two weeks, I think he's just shown that he can do whatever he, he needs to when he needs to. It's been both. It's, he's been picking it up with his legs. He's also been making plays with his arm. So I think that's really been the one of the major keys. So for for some reasons, I think, the scrambling has skewed the run-pass ratio a little bit. If we looked at dropbacks versus like designed runs, it'll be a little bit more balanced, I think. The other thing is, as you mentioned, the Ravens have gotten a lot of really big leads, and they've just ground out the final quarter in a lot of these games. If they had needed to pass more, they could have passed a lot more and, and probably put up more points, but they didn't have to because the games were already well out of hand. So that, that run-pass ratio, I always find to be a little misleading because of the fact that it can not really give, give you a, a true picture of how the game unfolded because that fourth quarter, if you're especially in a lead, it's going to really skew towards a run. So whenever someone's like, oh, we have to run the ball 20 times for, or give um, J.K. Dobbins, for instance, 20 carries and the Ravens run every single time or win every single time, that's kind of a deceiving stat because that means that they were ahead most likely. And that's why they won. They didn't win because they ran the ball. So I think one of the things that I wanted to, mentioned here was 
when you run. And one of the things that we I was complaining about earlier was running on first down. And they've run a lot on first down since then, but they've also been passing more on first down. They've actually passed the ball in the past couple of weeks a lot on first down. They've done a lot of play action on first down, and that's really opened up the game. So I think it's that's something that is even more important than the total number of passes or runs. It's when you're passing and when you're running and when are you doing it and what is the defense expecting from you? Yeah, you know, there definitely could be something misleading about those statistics, right? And, and especially when it comes to the run-pass ratios. But, you know, I I think that I wouldn't I wouldn't wash it away too quickly. Because if you look at the Cleveland game, for example, where Cleveland posted 42 points. So it wasn't just like the Ravens were grinding that game out. It was a 32 to 21 pass ratio. It was insane how few plays the Ravens ran in that game in general. Like the Ravens just absolutely mauled Cleveland's defense in general, but they still had a three to two, um, you know, one and a half to one run to pass ratio. Um, And they were still able to put up on that defense 47 points. And I think to me, that's the thing that's most critical. The Ravens are best when they're running the ball. They can score quickly and they can score a lot of points when they're running the ball and they can run and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, they run, they can run these deep vertical routes or they can run these plays where they stretch the defense vertically and create opportunities for Lamar to run if they want them. And they need to do more of that in some of those situations. But again, Lamar has to be comfortable running the ball. And, and there are a lot of things that skew the run pass ratios for the Ravens. And I think two of them you just named. Um, so I think it's a little less than that. But my encouragement to Greg Roman would be, even if the Ravens go down, knock on wood, 14 nothing against the Tennessee Titans this next week. Run the darn ball for the duration of the next quarter and a half, right? Part of what happened in the Titans game when they played them in the first go around is that the Titans just kept giving Derrick Henry the ball, even in the fourth quarter. Like he wasn't successful up to that point. There was no reason why they should have continued to run the ball, but they wore them down and they continued to do it. And they came back and they won the game. The Ravens were up by, I think, 10 in that game at least um, at one point. But the Titans stayed true to who their identity was, stayed true to kind of where some of the big plays would come from, forced the Ravens to adjust, and were able to do that. I just think the Ra- this Ravens team, I think that they could be better passing I don't think that this team with this offensive coordinator and with this current offensive line will be good at passing the ball. And so I think they've just got to stay dedicated to kind of the deception and the running that they're committed to right now. And I think it'll be really successful. Yeah. I don't want to misconstrue what I was saying to be the, to the point where I think that they should be a team that's like a pass first team or a team that should be passing the ball, you know, 60 or 70% of the time. I, I don't think that's the case. I think obviously they're at their best when they're running the ball, but I think you also have to be running the ball in the right situations. And I think part of that is running the ball when teams expect you to pass it. And some of that is passing the ball when they expect you to run it. And that's why I've been saying all year, you know, you should be passing a little bit more on first down, especially with play action, because teams are going to be you know, respecting the run, they're going to be anticipating that because that's what the Ravens do a lot of the time. And I think we have seen that. I think that's one of the reasons why the offense has been clicking. They've been coming out and they've been doing some first down play action passing. And they've been, you know, if, even if it's not a big downfield like gain, like sometimes it has been, but sometimes it's just like a quick, you know, five yard out to to Patrick Ricard or, or Mark Andrews or, or somebody else. And all it takes sometimes is just getting that offense going then when you're on second and five, then you run the ball and pick up a first down. Then you just you just keep chugging along. 
and then maybe you come in with a, with a run that time or you, or you do a Lamar like design keeper. And I, I think those are the kind of things that keep defenses off balance. You can attack them in different places. You can attack them over the middle. You can attack them up the, up the middle. You can attack them on the edges. You can attack them more vertically if you need to. And I think the Ravens have the ability to attack at every single level. And I think that's what makes them dangerous on offense. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about right before we started this podcast was the quality of the defenses that the Ravens have been playing as well, right? Because we, we already talked a little bit about the quality of the competition. That being said, if you if you go by DVOA, right, like, and, and I just pulled up their website because it's quick and it's easy, and we look at the defensive ranks for the two next two teams that the Ravens, if they win, would potentially be playing, barring an upset. I guess the Ravens could avoid, like, if Buffalo or Pittsburgh were to lose, then Baltimore would avoid Kansas City because the NFL recedes. But if that weren't to happen, the two bottom teams in DVOA going into Week 16 defensively were the Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. So even if even if you're buying that the Ravens have just been beating up against mediocre or bad defenses, I think that we're in a situation where you're looking legitimately at going against some defenses that aren't going to be that good here upcoming as well. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. And honestly, there aren't that many defenses that really kind of worry me in the NFL in terms of their ability to stop what the Ravens are doing. I think one of those teams could be the Steelers, but we saw the Ravens, you know, rush for what was like almost 300 yards, I think, against the Steelers earlier this year. I don't think that the Steelers are super well equipped to stop what the Ravens are doing. And honestly, when the the Ravens offense is, it's, you know, we're, we're hitting on all cylinders and really working the way it should. I don't think even the best defense in the NFL would be able to stop them just because of the amount of, of misdirection and the amount of extra numbers on that they're using in the way they're, they're pulling their offensive linemen and using wide receivers and tight ends and fullbacks to block. It's, it's giving them a numbers advantage, especially with Lamar Jackson, because teams also still have to respect Lamar Jackson. So all those things combined are really going to make any team, even if they're like the best defense in the NFL, like the Steelers were when the Ravens played them earlier this year, the Ravens dropped almost 500 yards of offense on them. They couldn't stop them, but because the Ravens had turnovers, they lost the game. Yeah. So we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Usually we go into the Cincinnati game and break down the film, but um, well, what was the stat you told me right before we started this podcast? So Brandon Allen, who is the quarterback for the Bengals, had a quarterback passer rating. This is the NFL rating of zero. So he 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 was basically as bad as you can possibly be. He threw two interceptions. He had 2.3 yards per attempt. The Bengals could do nothing on offense. The Ravens utterly dominated the game. The Bengals were able to. They got a few runs um, that were like you know a couple of chunk yards, but. Aside from that, they could not do anything against the, the Ravens' defense, and then the Ravens' offense just dominated. They ran for over 400 yards. Absurd. And and that was after Lamar Jackson came out at the end of the third quarter. What Like, complete joke of a game. So so instead of covering that game and breaking down some of the plays or, or some of the brutality that occurred on the field in that game, we thought we'd kind of go back and take a look at the offense for this podcast, but we're also going to try and pull together a defensive podcast Um, the offense and how it's improved since the Tennessee game. You know, we had this nice opportunity where it seemed really likely that Baltimore was going to face either Pittsburgh or Tennessee. So we thought we'd take a deep dive um, and we prepped before we got into this podcast to be able to take a look at um, what we thought Tennessee was going to have to show us um, and, and where the Ravens offense 
has improved or where it needs to improve compared to those games. And so we've got um, some video that we're going to share with you guys covering kind of games leading up to the end of this year. So including the Jacksonville Giants, Cleveland, and Cincinnati games, but we're also going to throw back a little bit to some of these Tennessee games and talk a little bit about what we thought, you know, led to some of those improvements or at least where we saw some of those improvements happen. Um, and so the first place to, that we saw that happening, Gabe, is the offensive line, which is really, I, I, I hate to call it night and day, but it's been night and day better than it was at kind of a stretch in that middle third of the season where the Ravens offensive line just I mean, it looked like utter trash. Yeah, I think, so there's a lot of things happening, right? Because there were a lot of injuries that the Ravens were dealing with along the offensive line. They they just lost Ronnie Stanley a couple games earlier. Um, Matt Segura had had some issues at center where he was he injured his hand, I believe. Um, and he, he got pulled out of the game. Um, right tackle position was kind of a weekly change whoever was available or whoever seemed like he might be the best fit. The right guard who started was Tyree Phillips. He was knocked out for a a few games. So really the Ravens had four positions that were being shuffled at that point in the season. The only position that was the same and has been the same all year was left guard with Bradley Bozeman. So it's been kind of a whole kind of dominoes like, or, you know, musical chairs of of who's going to start for the, for the Ravens um, offensive line. And, this point when the Titans were playing the Ravens earlier, I think it was week 11, the Ravens still didn't have it fully realized. Although they were actually using probably the same five starters that they have right now. But they, I think this was the first game that they had actually started together in that unit. So it's going to be Brown, Powers, Makari, Bozeman, I guess the other way around, Bozeman and Powers, and then um, DJ Fluker at right tackle. And they look like they were the the first time starting together. I mean, some of the things they were okay with, but for the most part, they were just kind of being slow. It looked like they were mentally pro- having to process a little too much. They weren't really connecting on a lot of their pools and when they were doing some of the power things that the Ravens um, blocking schemes ask for. And the pass blocking was eh, up and down. It, it wasn't great. And I think that as the season has progressed and players have kind of still shuffled in and out a little bit, but I think we've actually settled on a five starter that is really working well and they've gelled together and they're starting to like have the right cadence with each other, starting to be able to work together as a unit, like you would want to see from an offensive line. And that's something that is critical moving forward because that's really the foundation of what the Ravens want to do with, with their, with their running game offense. Yeah, and I mentioned I was going to talk a little bit about Ken and um, at Film Study Ravens. Um, You can check him out on Twitter and some of the work that he does. And he covers the Baltimore offensive line pretty in-depth where he breaks down their individual performances. He does it absent of results of kind of what has happened in the passing game, but analyzes kind of each snap of those offensive linemen and how they performed. And, and I talked a little bit earlier about how we, we were thinking about the, the season in kind of three chunks. And you know, even that first and I, the full first third, there was still some shuffling going on on the offensive line, it felt like. Um, but even that first third, you know, they had an average grade of, you know, he, he grades it on a scale of kind of one to zero to one. And they had a 0.76, which, you know, usually is kind of like a C-ish range, like a C-minus-ish range for for kind of the scores from Ken. Um, and then those next five weeks, it, it, that fell to 0.74. Um, but over the last five weeks, we've seen that rise to kind of 0.828, so almost almost 0.83. 
um, which is a huge improvement for this offensive line. So, so it's good to see that somebody that's kind of tracking that metrically is also saying that it seems like that's the performance that's showing up on the field. So it is not just kind of Lamar dancing around and getting around a few guys or doing some magical things or just getting the ball off, but taking a lot of hits or, you know, anything in that category, but we are demonstrably seeing some improvement from those positions. And, you know, what's most interesting to me about those scores, I went, went back and I think, and, and I might've missed this math. So apologies to Ken um, if, if any of these numbers don't add up to what he might have, but it looks like the highest graded offensive lineman of that bunch over those games uh, over the last four games, it wouldn't include this upcoming Cincinnati game of the last four games uh, was Ben Powers with 0.862. Um, and so that's really been a stabilizer for the Ravens. Obviously, you know, Skirl was getting some decent grades from Ken early in the season, but um, the center position has solidified some as well. But Powers and Makari have really made a difference in the middle of that offensive line. Yeah, I think that's 100% accurate. It's, it's, it's Powers who's really solidified that right guard position, which was I think really shaky earlier on in the season with with, with um, Tyree Phillips starting there, and I know that the Ravens are high on him. I think he has some potential moving forward, but he he's definitely not um, someone who could be counted on on, on a play to play basis. Um, and then at right tackle, you know DJ Fluker, who has been in and out of the lineup, and, and he's still rotating a little bit with with Phillips um, in the past few games, but he's given them something that's really steady as like a front side blocker in, in, in their, in their power game. And he's able to really be that anchor that they can run behind on the, on the, on the strong side. And he's, you know, he's not super mobile. He's not like the guy who's going to be doing a lot of pulling, but he does have the ability to push the guy in front of him and he can seal off really well and allow for, you know, the, the weak side puller to come around and then take out, the guy on the edge and that's opening up really big lanes for, for the Ravens running offense. And it's really kind of a foundation of what they're doing. They're running behind them very often off tackle. Yeah. So we, we broke down some of these offensive line plays and why don't we walk through a few of them? I think we, we tried to start with kind of some of the failures on the offensive line and particularly against the Titans. You know, I think it's, it's worth looking at, at this group of guys as they were kind of coming through. And the first play is kind of in the first quarter. It's about the eight fifty minute mark. Um, Ravens are lined up in shotgun. So a lot of the, you know, I'll actually note this before we dive too deep in this, in the podcast, but I think a lot, a lot of the looks that we started to see coming out of the rest of the season really started in this, this Titans game. And so we see that here where the Ravens are in shotgun. You've got um, Ingram who this was, you know, kind of the, the beginning of the end of it for Ingram kind of lined up, but Tennessee's only got three guys at the line of scrimmage and those three guys basically just folded the Ravens offensive line right off the bat. And so you've got an edge rusher that comes completely free. The remaining five guys can't keep the remaining three guys and linebackers who are just kind of filling there. They're, they're just kind of mushing and filling in the middle of the field. And you just see kind of, I think as you called it, just a group of guys who had never played together and not really sure who was supposed to be taking on what responsibilities. Yeah. I, and I think that's correct. And, and one of the other things that, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about in terms of, the scheme changes that the Ravens have made in offense, but they were doing some things that I don't think they were particularly well suited to, especially with kind of their zone scheme uh, based runs. And they just weren't really making any push with that. And it was allowing, and they, they didn't really have the, when you're, when you're running a, a zone scheme, you really want to be in lockstep with each other and everybody needs to be moving together and, you know, kind of, 
keeping the defense at bay and keeping them moving horizontally, but they didn't really have the speed to and like the athleticism to do that effectively. And it was allowing that the defenders to kind of like hit those holes and like lanes between them and really disrupt. And I think that, you know, the Ravens have kind of gone away from that because they just were able to self scout and see that it wasn't working so well for them. And um, yeah, I just think, and like you said, the, the, they've really kind of gelled together and, and I feel like they know they have the timing down better than they did before. And they just kind of can anticipate what's going to happen, what other, what other team is going to try and do to them and, and realize, you know, who is, going to need some help like if they can like you know just provide an extra hand here or there in in the offensive box that's something that Marshall Yonda used to do really well he would kind of provide an extra like quick block to the to somebody and then go out and like get his man and I think that's something that we're seeing more and more there's just more of like a natural intuition and there's a natural gelling of what they're doing One of the other things that the Titans really do well is just fill the box. Like they put a lot of guys in the box. I think that Mike Vrabel and the Titans defense has it in their heads that the Ravens do everything in the middle of the field and they can't beat them on the outside. And that's something the Ravens are just going to have to flat out attack. Um, But, you know, one of these plays, you know, and I think some of that is that the Ravens are just going to have to keep their wide receivers outside of kind of the numbers and and far farther away from the hashes in these games because there's one of these plays that we'll put up there um that that's kind of like a a a power play where with a pooler and when you when you get that kind of initial freeze frame there titans have nine guys in the screen um you know right there off the bat they've got three they've got three defensive linemen three linebackers and two safeties and a cornerback that are all basically between the hash and like three yards outside the hash you're never going to be able to run out of that. That's a play where Lamar has to be able to check out of that play, has to be able to move Boykin to the outside of that play. It really doesn't matter what the offensive line was going to do in this situation, and I don't think that they blocked it particularly well. Uh, but there's not very much in this situation that you're going to be able to do successfully um, against that defense. And, and Greg Roman is going to have to have an answer for that if that's how the Titans want to defend this defense offense again. Yeah, I think that's something that Roman has, has actually gotten a lot better at. I think he's using a lot more misdirection. When he's using some of the unbalanced lines, he's he's running away from it. So he's allowing defenses to kind of like stack towards where it's heavy. And then he's and then he's motioning away from it so they can get, you know, one person over on the other side. And then that allows the Ravens to have a numbers advantage on the other side of the line. And that's something that you know, especially with the speed that they have on offense, if you can win to the edge and they're getting some explosive plays off of that. And, they're, and that's really one of the staples that the Ravens have kind of uncovered is, is the ability to kind of manipulate the numbers in, in the offense. And, and they can do that by, you know, using their power scheme where they're pulling, but also by motioning by receivers. Yeah, absolutely. And but we, you know, we saw some success in some of these other more recent games. And, you know, we've got a couple of plays that we're going to put up here. One of them is the New York Giants play. You know, walk us through a little bit of, of what we're seeing from the offense on that play. Which plays is this one? This one's um, from the first quarter at about 225. Um, and we finally start to see the offensive line really gelling, um, being able to seal, being able to pull that together. Yeah, so I think this is kind of exactly, you know, what we're talking about with 
with just, you know, the players who are know, knowing where their assignments are, are, you know, so before they were kind of out of, out of lockstep, they didn't, they didn't really know who exactly they were supposed to block. And I think at this point in the, in this, in the season, they had, you know, been doing this scheme for a couple of games. Now this, the offensive line been working together, the puller knows he has to crack on that outside linebacker or the defensive end. And then the, and then the, either the fullback or the other puller can come through and, and seal the linebacker. And that's giving, you know, the Ravens an easy, you know, five, six, seven yards on, on those simple power plays. And that's something that is a huge improvement on some of the, you know, plays that we're getting earlier when they're getting sometimes negative yards or maybe just one or two yards out of it. I think just having that play on the first down where you're picking up, you know, a chunk of yards instead of being then behind the down distance is really important. Yeah, and you see Sneed in motion on this play, and he definitely, you know, the Ravens have, this is one of the things that I think Roman does well, is he holds blockers, he blocks guys without blocking them. He makes defenders hold off just a half step or a half foot too long for them to be able to be part of the play. And he does it with the motion. He does it with Lamar. He does it with a lot of fakes. You'll see the offensive line, you'll see one offensive lineman pull to the outside on the right side, even though the play is going to the left. And so the Ravens know that different defenses are keying in different ways and they throw a lot of different looks at that. And so I think that motion helps that play be just as successful as kind of those seal blocks. Um, But then we've got this touchdown on the Cleveland game. Um, And this one's a little bit more like what we saw from the Titans. Obviously the Ravens are squeezed in at this point in, in they're squeezed in because it's inside the red zone. Um, They're at the five yard line and you want to walk us through this touchdown um, from Cleveland? Yeah, so this is, you know, another play that I think one of the things that the Ravens did really smartly, and and they've done so more during this season, is they vary the the, the number of players you have in the box. So sometimes they'll go heavy and you have, you know, seven, eight blockers in there. But sometimes they'll spread you out. And in this play, they do spread out the defense. And you only have, you know, the five offensive linemen and the one back. And from that, you have the, the basic concept that the Ravens have been running the the you know the counter bash and they pull their their guard and their tackle and they have the running back run away from the direction of the pullers and this is the this is the concept that they've been doing um pretty effectively throughout the season but they've done it more so and more effectively recently and it really just opens up a huge lane for for the for the guy who's going to eventually get the ball which is Lamar Jackson because the, the defense has to respect the running back who's running against the grain. And then you have these two pullers who are creating, you know, great space while the other blockers are kind of down blocking away from it. So you kind of have a parting of the sea and Lamar Jackson just has a wide open lane to run into the end zone. Yeah. And the thing I love about this play is it starts with five guys, basically five guys on the, on the, the line, you, you've got the outside linebacker kind of pulling up. You've got two linebackers and two safeties all over this play, right? And so this is essentially the same play from earlier where the Titans have everybody loaded in the box. But instead of just running this play into the teeth of this defense, it's clear that Lamar is either – it's either predetermined or it's a check, but Lamar is spreading – spreads everybody out like you said, and it's like – in the first two seconds of this film, you see the Red Sea part. You basically see all the defenders go out to the side, right? Lamar runs it up the middle as a response. This is one of those instances where if they all stay bunched inside, then Lamar can pick the direction where he wants this play to go, and he can decide whether or not it's going to be him up the middle, him to the far side, or Dobbins to the far side. And if they're stacked up inside, take it to the outside. If they're stacked up on the outside, run it up the middle. 
this seems like the thing that when the Ravens offensive line is effectively blocking is impossible for any defense to, to defend because you get really good blocks here from both Macari and powers that are essentially create that hole for Lamar to run through. And when that happens, I think all bets are off for anybody trying to stop this offense, whether they're a top five or bottom five DVOA defense. Yeah. And, and the beauty of this play, like you mentioned is, is the necessity of the defense to defend the running back. And this play the running back is not going to get the ball, but he's motioning and running, you know, horizontally, like he's going to take the kind of the the counter or the, the veer, and that's holding the defensive end. And then all Lamar Jackson has to do is is follow his blockers because of how the the, the line has been blocking well in this instance. He has this wide open lane, and and it's just forcing the defense to kind of have to defend the whole length of this field horizontally and not just, you know, the edge or one edge or not just at the middle, they have to defend all of it. And there aren't enough gaps and aren't enough defenders to defend all those gaps. And that's why it's so effective for the Ravens because they're getting a numbers advantage and they're able to use misdirection to keep defenders out of the play. And that's all you need in order to have somebody with the athleticism of a JK Dobbins or Lamar Jackson to really hit you up the middle. Yeah. And so, you know, let's let's shift to kind of the next area that we want to talk about here a little bit. And that's kind of the scheme changes that we are seeing from kind of what this new offense looked like. Um, and we really we this is where we get the first taste of kind of this. Uh, this counter bash look existed before this. Like like they, we, we saw it a little bit. I, I think I remember in the first Pittsburgh game they used it um, to convert a, like a maybe a fourth down or a big third down at some point in the game. Like it was sprinkled in here or there, but it was not something that they were using nearly like this and not nearly like they were, were using that as it kind of like spread out the field. Um, it's in, an, in its entirety. And so, you know, the Ravens really decided to change the way that they kind of operated. It seemed like everything was moving forward from a running game perspective in kind of like a driven power, like hardline stance. Um, and it seemed like the Ravens finally got the message that you can also create running lanes by spreading out, by making defenses move laterally um, and creating creases and either attacking the edges or the cutbacks of those something that they really didn't do, I, I think, very effectively or at all the first like nine or 10 weeks of the season. Yeah, I think that's the, the main main thing is because because this type of offense and this type of, of misdirection is, is forcing the defender to defend a player other than Lamar Jackson. So in this case, instead of Lamar Jackson being the player that freezes the end, in this instance, it's the running back. So the running back who's coming on this kind of reverse counter action is forcing the that edge defender to either crash down on on the quarterback, which is going to open up that you know that backside for the running back to have a huge gain. Or if he stays true to that running back, that's going to then either open up a lane for, for Jackson to take it underneath or he can just follow his blockers and probably have a gain on the strong side. So that's why this this kind of this play has been so effective for the Ravens. And like you said, they have done it earlier in the season. I think a couple of the p- big plays that the Ravens had with Jackson, I, I'm thinking back to the, the Washington football team. I think it's a very similar play that they ran in, in which um, Jackson got a, a long touchdown run. I think also against the Eagles, he had a similar play where he got a touchdown run. They may not have been the exact same concept, but it was very similar in, in how it was being run. Now that is something that the Ravens have just 
been integrating more and more onto the offense. And they've been kind of transitioning away from the zone read into more of, of this this counter bash and to the traditional just power scheme where they're having a guard pull almost, almost I would say half to two thirds of their running plays. You have somebody pulling. And that is something that defenses have to account for. And when you also sprinkle in these counter plays in which the you have this action going up against the grain, it's really kind of putting defenders in conflict and not knowing which way to flow towards the ball. Yeah, and so, you know, we get a couple really, really good kind of quarterback kind of keeper replacement of the zone read action on the counter bash that we start to see in this Tennessee game. Um, and, you know, obviously we just we just saw another version of it when Lamar ran the touchdown in um, in the Cleveland game. But I think that, the you know, it's worth pointing out kind of how Tennessee defended these um, and what we saw from them and how Baltimore attacked them through kind of the two true counter bashes that we see first here. Um, which are the ones where you have the running back running away from the poolers, but the Ravens still kind of running the play towards the poolers. And you want to talk a little bit about those two plays for us? Yeah. And and so these are, and like we mentioned earlier, the, the Tennessee was really stacking the box against the Ravens. They were not really def- giving much respect to the Ravens passing game. And they were saying, we're going to bring eight players in the box and, and force you to beat up us and the ravens weren't having a lot of success in their runs but these are the runs that actually did generate you know decent chunk yardage and not not huge yards but they were picking up like five ten yards on these on these plays so i mean it's a pretty simple principle like we mentioned you have the two pullers from the backside of the guard and the tackle and they're going to try and seal off two defenders on the strong side and you also have either a tight end or, or, a, or a wide receiver who's going to be out there blocking for jackson as well and that kind of gives you just you know a hat on a hat on on the strong side and, and Jackson is able to you know use his speed use his his explosiveness use ex- explosiveness to to pick up you know the good amount of yards on those plays so it's it's nothing that's too too complicated per se it's just something that um was it was a pretty it looks almost honestly kind of just like a quarterback power play but when you put in the counter motion then you have that other option that comes off it as well yeah you know <laughs> It's such, I mean, I think it's really effective in terms of kind of how the Ravens are attacking it. One of the things that I'm interested to see if the Ravens do is start running this to kind of like a naked receiver side. If you watch both of these kind of, both of these plays from how Tennessee defends the quarterback keepers on these these bashes, the, the only reason these plays don't go for massive gains is because on the far right side, because both of these plays go to the right side, you basically have a wide receiver that's blocking off or having to beat a cornerback. So I'm interested to see, one, what how teams would react to this if the Ravens moved heavy to one side, um, because then they could just essentially threaten to run behind the pulling guards to that heavy side. And then if Tennessee is willing to follow or shift the zone, like they, they, I think Tennessee uses a mix of man and zone, but if they're willing to kind of follow that pursuit to that strong side, then Lamar could really gash them on the weak side, um, kind of coming back away from where the pulling action is going to be if they go heavy in the other, the other direction. And so, you know, the way that you can see kind of how the Ravens might take a shot at this is in this next couple of sets, which, which we show where the Ravens run behind that kind of double pulling action. Um, and in the first one, they do it out of kind of like a trip set on the right with the, the tight ends. And they kind of create a couple seals to create some lanes for Dobbins to run in. Again, the Titans really, 
really, like you were saying earlier tonight, Gabe, really flow to the ball heavily. Um, when they think that it's a running play, they are down in the box and they are down and committed to stopping the run. Um, I think the Ravens need to play action on every single pass they make against the Titans and any pass that they make that is not a play action is is a mistake in that regard. But then, you know, you see this opportunity for them to flow um, behind these guys when they're, they're going behind the kind of double pool. And then in the next one, you get Ricard who goes to the tight end spot. You've got Skura on the outside as the extra man. And then you've got Dobbins flowing behind that too. So the Ravens have a lot of different ways that they can give that look and a lot of ways that they can use it effectively. They've got to use it in all different ways and all different sorts. And I think we kind of want to take some other looks at, at what else we see. And you, you've talked a lot about the jet sweeps, Duvernay, Hollywood Brown speed, how we think that that can be an effective way to do it. And we saw a really good use of this um, in a play from the Giants game. Yeah. So this play, um, I think, you know, if I think we can all kind of remember, this was a, a basically the same action um, that we're talking about with the garden tackle pulling to, um, you know, the, the or maybe it was a center and tackle in, in this play. But regardless, it's it's a similar action where you have someone coming on the counter. And this in this case, it's actually uh, Duvernay. And he's it's a third and short situation. And he's just given the ball and able to take it upfield for um, a, a big gain. I think it was maybe like 10 yards, but he had a kind of a, sh- a shoestring tackle that, that held him up. If not for that, he might have, you know, gone for a touchdown. Um, but, you know, using that jet motion just gives you another opportunity to um, change the number game. Um, so you can use a running back on the strong side of it as a blocker, or you can have him kind of do, as a fake player who can be, um, you know, taking the defender away from the from the action. So e- either way, that, that can be effective. And I think it's just something that the Ravens have done a few times now um, very effectively in short yardage, and it's really hard to defend, especially with someone with speed, like either either Dobbins or DuVernay coming off the edge there. Yeah, and, and this is a play that does not just have to be restricted to um, Devin DuVernay. You know, we, we see two plays here that look like the exact same play. But it turns out that the guy in motion on the second play is J.K. Tobbins. On the first play, it's Devin DuVernay. But the thing I want to point out here is Gus Edwards and his ability to block and his commitment to blocking here. Um, I know that the Ravens love Patrick Ricard and a lot of the things he does. I think Gus Edwards is as effective, if not more effective, when you get outside of the numbers as a blocker on linebackers and, and particularly on guys in the secondary. Um, when you're looking at kind of cornerbacks and safeties. And so the Ravens need to take advantage of that more. I think that, that there should be a lot of plays where Dobbins and Edwards, more plays that Dobbins and Edwards should be on the field together. Edwards has proven to be just as effective with his hands, um, you know, as as Dobbins has been. I think that they have kind of a similar number of drops. Like Dobbins had the one big drop in the, this Giants game where it was kind of a play action on the goal line and it was a swing out pass. And if Dobbins would have caught it, he would have run into the end zone. Um, but Edwards has just proven to have solid hands. He's caught the ball down the field. He's caught the ball in the flat. But he can also block really effectively on these kind of like counter pull plays where he needs to be out in front of it. And so in that sense, you know, I don't know how much we need a Ricard on the field in those instances to still be effective. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point because, you know, Edwards does have size. He's, I think, like listed at 230, 240, um, but he also has speed and he has agility and he can, you know, be a little more effective in terms of 
of locking up someone who has more speed and quickness on the outside, like a, like a safety or a cornerback, than potentially someone like Patrick Ricard, who we've seen sometimes whiff on those on those blocks against the smaller players. And I don't take anything away from Ricard because I think he's he can be a really good blocker, especially um, inside when he's like asked to take out, you know, sometimes defensive linemen or linebackers. I think he's very good in that. But on outside on the perimeter, I don't think he has quite the same ability to to block as someone like Mark Andrews or as Gus Edwards or one of the Ravens wide receivers. I think they're all more effective perimeter blockers than what Ricard is. So, and I, and I agree with you with the ability of him and, and Dobbins to be together on the field. I think they actually work really well because it does give some of the same threats that having a fullback would if you use Edwards in that role. But then you also have two players who can, you know, be threats in the passing game as well. And, and, and like you said, Edwards has actually proven to be a pretty good pass catcher in the past few weeks. He's been involved more in the passing game than I think he was either of the two years before this combined. And I think he's actually done quite well in that role. And that's something that I wasn't expecting out of him, but it's really shown some versatility. And if you combine that with his ability to, to block for the running game and his ability to pass block, I think he's someone who should be on the field a lot. And that, that can happen with and without Dobbins. Yeah, you know, and and we see we see another kind of zone read action here on on a different play that we put together for um, Dobbins in the Jacksonville game. I think what's interesting about this play is that the Ravens run it with just five offensive five offensive linemen. You don't see any tight ends lined up with them. There's not that kind of heavy scura package. The the Ravens are willing to kind of run this in a lot of different plays. Um, a lot of different ways, a lot of different formations, which makes it really dangerous. And they use motion all the time. And so if you're willing to kind of run this counter bash against that, um, I think it's going to be effective. And it's it's an interesting question to me, because if you watch the tail end of this play, Willie Sneed makes is just makes a really nice block down the field on whatever the safety is in this instance. And I think, you know, one of the big questions for me on on that play is, what we're going to see from Steve when he comes back, obviously he's been hurt. I think Lamar trusts him over the middle in terms of a guy that can catch the ball. Um, but I think the Titans are going to crash down hard against the run. Um, and I wonder if we're going to see more of Des Bryant and more of Miles Boykin um, in this upcoming Tennessee game to kind of counteract what is going to be a little bit more aggressive approach, I think, from the Titans to, to stop the run. I, I tend to think that the Ravens are more effective running the ball out of 11 personnel than anything else. And I don't have the numbers to back that up. And I know that they have, you know, at times been really good with, with Ricard and with, you know, with a heavy jumbo package out there as well, but spreading teams out and making them play in space and having the guys with the speed that they do have, I think is incredibly effective. And when you can get Dobbins out there and all he has to do is make one guy miss, and then he has all that open space. I think you want to take advantage of those opportunities as much as possible. And it's going to limit what opposing defenses can do to you in terms of, you know, really stacking one side of the field or like being able to flow to the ball. Because when you have someone like Jackson and you have someone like Dobbins, they can, they can threaten two sides of the field. So you can either have that keeper and go to the one side or you can give the Dobbins and he can attack the other side. And if you don't have as many players around the line of scrimmage, then you have much more ability to kind of, you know, pick up chunk yardage. And I think that's what the Ravens are, are really going to be trying to do as we continue to, um, to advance into the playoffs. Yeah. And we see another touchdown, basically exactly what you're talking about there in the, in the Jacksonville game where Dobbins just gets to the edge. The, the defender, the down defender is never going to be able to get to Dobbins in this instance. Ricard is already kind of like keying up the block to the outside and Dobbins just cuts inside of it there um, because the, the, 
essentially the defender or the cornerback is trying to angle up to take away Ricard. Now, he, if he comes down, he's not he's going to have zero chance to be able to stop him. But obviously, Ricard's going to block the crap out of him, and Dobbins is just going to be able to get it to the outside. But it's easy for Dobbins to make that field open field read and to be able to do it. Um, you know, and one of these other plays that we're going to put up here is also, um, from the Titans game or I'm sorry, from the Giants game. And this one's actually a little bit like what I was just talking about where, you know, we see the naked keeper from Lamar. So you're going to see all that action flowing to the right and to the outside there actually, it doesn't look like there was, um, a wide receiver out there. And in addition to that, Ricard actually comes from the weak side going the other way. And he's the lead blocker for Lamar once he gets out to that cornerback um, and beats them all to the edge. So I think a play like that might be one that's going to be more effective in this upcoming Tennessee game. Um, but but it'll be interesting to see. So this play is really interesting because the Ravens do an unbalanced look. So they, they have three offensive linemen lined up on one side. And I think they might have even had an extra offensive lineman. No, no, just three. So they have their uh, right tackle or left tackle, uh, Orlando Brown, lined up as an extra tight end, blocking tight end, basically, on the one side. And then they have the tight end lined up in the, in the left tackle position. And then they have the same kind of pulling action. And they use Mark Andrews, who's lined up in the backfield as a lead blocker for Lamar. But I could easily imagine this kind of play where instead of having Lamar run the ball, just have him boot out and then have someone leak from the backside into what's probably, you know, a pretty open, easy passing lane. So they do something similar to that in, in, in today's game against Cincinnati. It's not quite as sophisticated, but they, you know, they show the same kind of guard tackle pulling motion and then have an easy play action pass to Mark Andrews. And I think this is kind of the next step that you're talking about. Of, of what can the Ravens do with this offense with this same you know motion that they're putting out there time and time again um with these two players you know pulling and they're going to be expecting the run and there's somebody crashing down lamar jackson and then all of a sudden you have somebody wide open over the middle of the field who can like you know rumble for 40 yards i think that's really what's going to open up the, the playbook even more yeah the thing that drove me nuts about this play in the cincinnati game is i think marquise brown runs the wrong play i think marquise brown's responsibility here is to get upfield and be blocking for mark andrews and the ravens should probably invert that play if they want to run something like this in the future um but one of those guys should be blocking for the other guy that's that's not catching the ball if that happens this is a huge play right like like it's gonna go for at least 10 yards and have the huge potential for more if it's brown that catches the ball instead of andrews so Hopefully Roman sees that and sees the opportunity of kind of what he created here. But it's like you said, we have this opportunity to create all this stress on the defense to figure out how they want to defend this. Because if these defenders on the this backside, right, like the, the linebacker that's racing out here, right, as well as the safety in the corner are worried that the guys leaking on the backside are either leaking to catch a pass or to block for Lamar, that's going to create space to the right side or space up the middle for Lamar to run. Teams can only change mid-game what their approach is on these things so many times, and it shouldn't take long for the Ravens to figure out what it is to be able to, to be able to be effective in that sense. Um, and I guess, you know, that's what makes the Ravens offense and it drives me in a little bit crazy because they're very short yardage, very just kind of convert the sticks, keep grinding like 10, 15, 20 play drives. They're going to soak up eight or nine minutes of the clock. And, you know, we don't, 
you look at teams like Kansas City who don't like that is not their approach, right? Like every single one of their drives, there are shots that are 20, you know, 15, 20 yards down the field. They're always looking for chunk plays. They're always looking to create. But part of the advantage to the way the Ravens approach their on offense is that they get to get all these looks. They get to, to try and identify where the keys are coming from on this. And if they can figure those out in the way that they're attacking, they're going to be really effective. And if they can run enough plays in that process, then there shouldn't be anybody that can can stop them kind of along the way. Yeah, and the the best part about this offense, I think, or even the best part, but one of the, one of the really fun parts about it is it's not complicated. It's it's actually really pretty simple. They're doing the same things pretty much over and over again. You know, they can change which direction they're coming from. They can change which players are in which position. But it's not overly complex, and I think that's what makes it really easy for the Ravens to replicate and be consistent with it, but you can throw all these different wrinkles in it. And I think that's where it becomes really powerful because something so so simple can be also so difficult to stop because you don't exactly know where the ball is going to go. And I think the Ravens are just actually starting to unlock it because, you know, it's something that's been building for a few weeks now in terms of how they're getting it to this efficient point. And they're just like kind of crushing teams with it now, but they still, we still haven't seen really the passing game work off of it yet. And I think that, We've seen a couple of those plays, but for the most part, their play-action passing offense is is pretty rudimentary in terms of like the action they're showing. But if they start, you know, putting in a more complex play-action game, some boot action off of off of this guard tackle kind of pulling, I think that might actually be really impossible for teams to defend. Yeah. Well, so let's let's get into this Tennessee game and and you know a little bit. You know what I guess. The bottom line of what I'm trying to say here is that Tennessee is going to flood the box. They're going to try and stop the run by just basically winning the numbers game. And the Ravens are going to have to throw the ball to be successful, I think, at some point. And, and maybe that's just on one drive to loosen everything up. And, and you know, that's kind of what happened in last year's playoff game. They, I think the Ravens knew they needed to throw the ball on that first drive of the game. And they did. And they were effective, but they threw the interception when it went right off, like right off or right over Andrew's hands. And I can't remember, was Andrew, I, I know Ingram was hurt at, when we went into that game. It turned out Andrews was too. They just yeah. kind of kept it under wraps, right? Yeah, Andrews was, he had been nursing an injury, I think, for a couple of weeks. And um, he definitely was not 100% in that game. And that was something that, you know, people were talking about a little bit, but it wasn't like seen as a huge issue. But I don't think he looked like he was playing it at 100%. Yeah, not nearly. And I think that catch was an example. But, you know, um, there were a few throws that Lamar just missed in that first Titans game, you know, that that I think were there for him where Ravens guys ran open. And those are looks that I think the Ravens need to repeat and attack in the same way. The first one was the over or the under throw to Andrews on um, basically the same kind of play. The Ravens kind of run a power right with a quarterback quarterback. And like, it's just like that mesh flow defense from Tennessee and Lamar just has to throw it over the top and he just under throws it by probably about five yards. If he throws it all the way to the back corner to Andrews, it's an easy touchdown. Um, then later in the drive, they get Brown kind of coming free on a post route. He has, he has his man beat, but Lamar just kind of under throws it a little too much. He's only got, like probably about like 15 or 20 yards of space when he lets go of the ball. So he's got to kind of throw it on a rope so Brown can catch it there. Um, but he just kind of misses that throw. And then later the, the Ravens really seem to be getting into rhythm. They're driving with the ball. It's first and 10, I believe. Ravens run play action. They get the exact look they want where they get Duvernay one-on-one um, against the safety. I think it was, I think it was Hooker who had an interception for Tennessee today. And Lamar just, 
it was a, it was not a good throw. Um, he just kind of chucks it up and Duvernay, who knows what Duvernay was doing on this play. He kind of double clutches, stops short and you know, the ball sails over his head pretty badly where it could have been kind of a jump ball attempt if he was going to make some crazy catch. I want that play. I would love to see the Ravens run that play again and run it to Des Bryant or run it to Miles Boykin, throw it up there to a guy that can go up and fight for the catch and fight for the ball don't throw that kind of play to Brown. Don't throw that kind of play to DuVernay. But I think if, if Lamar can tighten up on those kind of throws like we saw from him today, um, I, I think that there's a, a really good chance that, that the Ravens are going to be able to connect on some of those, and they shouldn't hesitate to attack there early. Yeah, I think that the big issue that the Ravens passing offense has had this year more than anything else has been timing. And I think especially with with – with Lamar Jackson, the timing on the deep throws has been a little bit off. And and mostly I think the issue has been he's been waiting too long to see the guy come open before making the pass. At times, he needs to know when that guy is going to be able to run by the corner or the safety and hit him. And I think he's actually gotten better at that in the more recently in the past couple of weeks. But it's something that was very much a problem earlier in the season. I think that Andrew's throw was a little bit of that i think he he had made the throw a little earlier um it would have been a completion because he had him pretty open the the hollywood brown throw in this game in the first tennessee game was definitely a timing thing because if he throws that ball you know half second earlier when when brown is about to pass the defender it's going to be an easy touchdown but he waits until brown is getting past the defender and at that point there isn't enough room for him to make the catch even though he has five yards of separation so that's the kind of thing that is a, just a kind of a feel thing, working with the working with the receivers, working with the timing of the routes. Um, I think one of the things that Jackson's gotten better at as well, he's put more loft on the balls in recent weeks and letting his receiver run under it instead of trying to throw it more on a line drive trajectory. It's been more of an arc. And I think that's something that is definitely beneficial for catching the ball. Um, deep passes so those things combined i think are improvements that we're, we're going to see and things that we have been seeing and i think for the ravens offense to really click on all cylinders it needs to be continued and and working at you know at least probably like 40 percent of the time you'd like to see those plays completed well we saw that big time in the jacksonville game and i, I think jacksonville's defensive approach was probably similar more most similar to the titans than we've seen from any defense um, recently. The the Giants decided that they were going to just cut the pulling blockers. Like whenever whenever there was someone pulling for the Ravens, that like the the Giants defenders just took themselves out of the play and cut. And I, I I don't know if that's what they've been doing all year against pulling plays, but like that just didn't work against the Ravens. The Jack Jacksonville basically filled the box, kept a guy that was a true spy who was mostly Miles Jack straight up on Lamar all game long. Um, and forced them to throw the ball, which the Ravens did effectively. But, you know, you've got a big passing play to Hollywood Brown again, where, you know, it based on kind of what you can see from the replay there, I, I'd have to guess that Lamar lets that go when Brown is shoulder to shoulder with the defender um, and hasn't already beat him. And he makes that perfect timing throw. And then we see another one today in the Cincinnati game where he, well, two of them really. Um, but we'll talk about the Boykin touchdown here because we're talking about Lamar's touch. I mean, he lets go of this ball probably, it's my guess, when Boykin's around the 20-yard line, right? Right when 
the defender turns his hips and then he knows he's got him beat and he can give Boykin the time to go get the ball after that point. But you see the safeties underneath, you wait till the, the cornerback turns his hips and then you just throw the ball over the top. Um, and it seems like Lamar has either gotten the timing of that down or gotten the reads on what he needs to make from those defenders um, in those instances a little bit better. Yeah, I think he's definitely starting to find that groove as a passer. And in, even that long bomb that today to Hollywood that was not completed, I thought it was right on the money. Like that's a play where he's leading his his receiver across the field. Um, he drops it in between two defenders right where it needs to be. And, and you know, maybe it's a tiny bit behind him, but I think you take some of those... I, I mean, I, I think... 75% of the time that's completed. I, I think Hollywood is actually pretty good at, at tracking the ball and, and making adjustments. Um, he's not so good about making contested catches, but he can, um, you know, make pretty good. He's really good, I think, at tracking. So I think most times that's going to be a completed pass. And if and if Jackson can hit him in those throws on, on off of play action, then that's going to be, you know, a huge weapon for them. And then if Boykin can also be a guy who can, you know, throw 40-yard bombs to down the seam, like, I don't know how you defend that because in that in that play where where Boykin is open, it's open because there's three defenders who are keying on on Mark Andrews, and that's part of what what this Ravens offense has. When you have a guy like Andrews who's commanding the attention of people, you know, in the middle of the op, of the middle of the field, and and he's going to do that in Tennessee as well. Then you have somebody like Boykin or somebody like Hollywood who can you know take the top off that defense and get open on a post route and and beat one on one coverage because both those guys have the speed to do that and if jackson can put that ball on the money like that that's going to be an easy touchdown yeah and what's crazy about this play is that marquise brown is wide 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 open on it if um that throw is not there he's running a short crosser there's a middle linebacker that's chasing him but to the far side there's a wide receiver that's being covered by a corner that's going to get blocked and marquise brown's going to be just utterly wide open for at least a 20 yard gain and with the ball in his hands and his speed. So the Ravens need to keep using these vertical routes, but at the end of the day, the big concern is can these guys hold on to the ball in these big moments? Um, because we've got a litany of drops from ranging from Des Bryant to Hollywood Brown to Mark Andrews, where these guys just can't hold on to the ball. Yeah, you know, it's something that we saw, unfortunately, last year in the playoffs against the Tennessee Titans. I think the Ravens had like six or seven drops in that game. Um, you know, it, it came from Andrews, it came from from Ingram, it came from Boykin, it came from Hurst, it came from everybody, all the receivers. Um, I think Roberts had a huge one that would have gone for a touchdown. Um, that's something that we've seen this year at times as well. And And it's been Hollywood who's had issues with his hands. We mentioned about it in the earlier Tennessee game. I think, I think... Hollywood had a couple of drops. I think there was one f- from you know Des that had a drop. I think those are the kind of plays that you really have to make. I know not the ball isn't always perfect location, but you just have to make a play for your quarterback. And I want to say you can trust the Ravens receivers. I know you know Mark Andrews has made some incredible catches this year in traffic. I think that's someone really the only person that that that. Lamar Jackson trusts to go make a contested catch as Mark Andrews. Um, if you think maybe Des Bryant is a guy who can come down with that kind of play as well, because he has that size, he has that experience, that physicality to do that. Um, but they really need to have somebody that that they can have go can make those catches in clutch situations. And I'm hoping that it's, it's 
that it's, you know, Andrews and I'm hoping that, you know, Brown is going to be able to make those plays, you know, deep or whether it's the short ones that he needs to pick up for a third down conversion. But if they're going to drop the balls like they, they have at times this year and, and at times we saw last year, it's it's going to be hard. And, and then you really have to just focus on running the ball. And that makes you one dimensional. And it's not something I think the Ravens want to do. Yep. So, I, I mean, it's all there. It's all concentration. These guys can do it. I, I guess the other thing to me is, they got to keep going back to these guys if they do make a couple drops. You know, we saw Hollywood. We've seen Hollywood make some really big time catches in some big time moments. I don't think it's you know at one point with Brashad Perryman, it was just like he couldn't catch the ball if if you underhand tossed it to him, he was going to drop it right. Um, but I don't think that's the case with these guys, and it's a concentration thing. So I, I don't think that it's going to be something that's going to hold them back. But if there was one thing that I was going to pick. It was going to be the problem that was going to ultimately hold this offense back that that led to them losing to the Tennessee Titans. It would be the drops. And so hopefully that's not something that we're going to see from them this upcoming week. But you know, here we are. We're going to talk about the defense on our next podcast. But how many points do you think the Baltimore Ravens are going to score on Tennessee in this upcoming Sunday? I think they're going to score 33 points. I think they're going to put at least 30. And I, I mean, after watching the the Houston Texans who have a good offense, but I don't think they have as good or as versatile offense as the Ravens. They put up over 30 points today. I think that, you know, the Packers did last week. They put up over 30 points. The Titans don't have a great defense. They don't have much of a pass rush to speak of, and they don't have great corner coverage guys. So it's, it's not something that the Ravens need to really concern themselves about aside from, you know, I think the Tennessee does play physically, but they're, they're not a team that should really be stopping you from doing what you want to do on offense. And I'm, I'm curious to see how, how the Ravens are going to attack them personnel-wise, because as I mentioned, I think you're going to see them be better out of 11 personnel. That way you don't have a, those linebackers that can really kind of flow to the ball. Um, up front, you're, you're, you're taking off the defender in terms of a larger person and, and putting in a, in a smaller defensive back. And I think that's something that, the Ravens are more effective in with some of you know the blockers that they have at, at the tight end or at the wide receiver position or even at the running back position, like you mentioned with with Edwards. So I think that's where I'd like to see the Ravens go with the personnel direction. Probably spend most of their time in eleven personnel, and I think that really opens up the most opportunities in the offense, both in the running game and the passing game. Yeah, I, I just want to see them attack the edges, attack the outside, double moves on those corners. I think they're not going to give them safety help. I think that there are going to be some opportunities for the Ravens to go out there and attack and beat them there. And I think that they should. Um, and I, you know what? I, I mean, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be 30 points. The only reason why I could see this being lower scoring than that is that Tennessee seems to be the one team that could potentially hold on to the ball long enough to keep the Ravens offense off the field long enough. The way that they both kind of run their games, you could see, six possessions in the first half where three of them absorb seven plus minutes each on both sides of the ball. And whoever is the one that has the most of those and is the one that converts in the red zone is the one that's going to convert. The one thing that Tennessee does have is kind of some big play threats down the field. So they do explode from time to time and move the ball quickly. And so when that does happen, opportunities are going to be in front of the Ravens. And, but, you know, if, even if you look at last year's playoff game, if you don't turn the ball over, I mean, you had, 
a fourth down conversion that the Ravens probably shouldn't even have tried to convert where they gave up ridiculous field position. The Lamar, you know, the Lamar interception over Andrew's hands, another fumble from Lamar, like shortly thereafter, um, you take away those turnovers and the, the Baltimore should have their cracks, should be able to get the ball. Tennessee's defense is not great. So, you know, I, I do think they should attack and I do think they should attack through the air because I think Tennessee is going to pack the box again and try and stop the run. Um, and I don't see any reason, I, I guess if I'm going to have to pick a number, cause I'm, I'm dodging the question now that I asked you is if I, I'm going to pick a number, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 34 because I want to go one higher than you. One more point than me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- there, there's no reason that they shouldn't. Um, there's no reason why they, the only reason they wouldn't would be if the Ravens are way ahead and they pull the gas, you know, pull their foot off the gas. Or if we see kind of a collapse of utter proportion, like we saw last year. And so I don't think that, I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but you know what, we're going to get into the defense next. We'll have a, a better sense of how much we think the Ravens are really going to be able to try and stop these guys um, and what that looks like for the Ravens and and what that approach is going to be, whether or not they can keep the score separated if they're able to score on offense. Yeah, I think um, looking at the defense is going to be perhaps more important or how, how the defense plays in this game might perhaps be more important than how the offense plays. I think there's maybe a few more question marks there, um, especially with some of the players we've seen in and out of the lineup for the Ravens recently. So. Um, definitely stay tuned for, for how we break down the defense and how it matches up with the Titans. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening in. You guys can check us out. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Um, he's at Gabe Fergie. Um, make sure you check out filmstudybaltimore.com and um, at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. Um, they put up awesome work um, and they are also helping host the Situation Room. So um, we'd love to hear from you guys there. Um, and we're looking forward to this upcoming Tennessee game. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.